I want us to look and consider some teachings from the Transfiguration because that's what we read about in Luke chapter 9. And we want you to notice the words he went up into a mountain to pray. That's in verse 28. Now, the location of this transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ is is debated. Some say it took place on a mountain called Tabor. That's to the south of Galilee. And others would say, well, we think, and I'm of this opinion, we think it took place on Mount Hermon. Now, if you've been watching the news, and I'm sure you've been interested in, 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 in uh, what's happening in and around the land of Israel, you would have seen to the very north of Israel, there's a land called Lebanon. And there's rockets being fired in from that part into the northern part of Israel. And it's in that area, in that northern part of Israel, bordering on the land of Lebanon, that Mount Hermon is. And you know, it's a tremendous tragedy that in the very same area where the Lord Jesus Christ walked and prayed, they're now shooting and bombing and killing and taking life. Very same area, Mount Hermon. It borders northern Israel and southern Lebanon. We need the Prince of Peace to come and deal with his enemies and our enemies as well. But we're not going to think so much about the location, what mountain the transfiguration took place on. We're going to look at some of the contents. We're going to consider some of the teachings from the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be transfigured means to be changed, to be transformed. Hence you have the word transfigured. And I want us to look at three very simple matters in relation to the verses before us just now. I want us to think about experience. 
I want us to think about existence and I want us to think about eminence. That's the three heads. Experience, existence, and eminence. Let's look at the first one. Experience. For if you look at verse 28, it tells us in verse 28 that the Lord Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you will notice that the three that the Lord Jesus took with him on this occasion, he took with him before. We're told in Mark 6 about the, 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 the raising of Jairus' daughter. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the house where Jairus lived, he didn't let anybody else go in except Peter and John and James. You might remember in relation to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that was the place where the Lord Jesus Christ loved to go. Any time he was in Jerusalem, he would like to spend time in this lovely garden. It was a time where he prayed and the disciples were, would be with him. They knew about it. And the night before the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, he went into that garden. Could have been about between nine and ten at night. And he left some of the disciples toward the other part of the garden, but he took with him Peter and James and John, and he went further into the garden with them. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't that he, he loved them more than any of the rest of the disciples. But the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching, instructing, preparing these men for what he had in mind for them after his death. Now you might remember on the day of Pentecost, who was it that was preaching? Peter, one of the trio. You might remember when two of the trio, Peter and John, after that were going up into the temple to pray, there was a man healed. And his healing was manifest to everybody. Well, the religious boys weren't too happy about it. And they took Peter and John and they brought them to a meeting and Peter and John said, we're going to obey 
the Lord. But what does it say of Peter and John? This is what it says of their enemies. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something about Peter. There was something about John that, 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 that indicated to those religious opponents that they had there's something about the Lord. That's what it actually says in Acts chapter 4. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And did we not see these men go time and time again with Jesus? They went further than the others. And you know, folks, it was their experience with the Lord that made them so useful in the days to come. And folks, that's what we need. Not merely coming to church and that is good. Not merely reading our Bibles and that is essential. Not merely refraining and restraining ourselves from all the sinful habits of people around us, but our experience should be a, a closeness to spend time with the Lord. You'll know the hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. And one of the verses talks about spending time with the Lord. And to feed on his word. And by looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be for thy friends in thy, like, in, in thy conduct. His likeness shall see. And in this case, it wasn't friends, it was foes. And they were compelled to admit that they had been with Jesus. Have we been with Jesus today? Have you met with the Lord? Are we walking with him? So much for experience. Let us look at the existence because we're told, if you look at verse 29, and as he prayed, as the Lord prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering and behold there talked with him two men which were Moses and Elias. We talked about two specific people in our children's talk the marvelous maid and the sensible soldier and they weren't named. They weren't named. But God used them. Used them both. God can use the unnamed and the unknown for his glory. But here are two specific people mentioned in the transfiguration. 
We have mentioned three specific men and they're there on that mountain, Peter and John and James. But here are two others mentioned. And they existed every bit as much as Peter and James and John did. For the Bible tells us that Moses and Elias talked with the Lord. These two individuals lived in this life a long time before this happened. In the case of Moses, probably two, three thousand years. And Elias, about a thousand or more years. But they still were in existence. They were still living in the sense of existing. Because they died and left this life, they did not cease to exist. They were still there. And folks, I want you to understand this morning that there is a parallel existence to the one we have. You're living. You're breathing. You have a good measure of health and strength and soundness of mind. You're enjoying things in this life. But just as surely as you exist and enjoy what there is for you in this life, so every single person that ever lived on the face of this earth is in existence in another place. Some in heaven, some in hell. They exist just as really as you and I do. And folks, that should teach us to think about eternal and spiritual things. And there's a great verse in Second Corinthians 4, and verse 18, I'll just quote the beginning of it to you. While we look at the things that are eternal and not material, Are you looking at and living for the things that are lasting, the things that are spiritual, the things that are eternal? And furthermore, let me ask you, are are you ready to go to the next life to be with the Lord? We talked in our Bible reading about Moses and Elias appearing in glory. That's where they were. That's what they were enjoying. There's a lot we don't know about heaven. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Preaching in the prison this morning 
And I said to the boys, you know, you're no sooner past Halloween than for Christmas. And I give them a text, looking for, people are looking for Christmas, even doing their Christmas shopping. But the wee text says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. When Christ came the first time, it wasn't a glorious appearing. The world went on about its business as if nothing had happened. Even the, the men that came from the East they had to ask the question, where is he? Where is he that is born King of the Jews? But I tell you, men and women, when he comes a second time, it's a glorious appearing. And the Bible tells us, you read this in Revelation 1, that every eye shall see him. It'll not be a secret coming. He'll descend in glory and in power and the world will know. Are you ready for that? Are you looking for that? Are you living with eternity's values and views? So much for existence and so much for experience. Let's talk about eminence or maybe it would be better put preeminence because read with me in, in the portion before us. It says that Moses and Elias, verse 31, appeared in glory and spake of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So they're talking about the death of Christ which was to be accomplished at Jerusalem. And it says, but Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. Wasn't that the same in the Garden of Gethsemane? When the Lord took Peter and James and John deeper into the garden, they were heavy with sleep. It was so on this occasion. And when they were awake, they saw his glory, that's Christ's glory, and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, as Moses and Elias departed from the Lord, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. Peter didn't realize what he had said to the Lord. He's thinking perhaps of the Feast of Tabernacles when we were in Israel recently. That's the time it was. And when that atrocity happened with Hamas, it was the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. 
And it may well be that that's what Peter was thinking about, the Feast of the Tabernacle. It commemorated them living in the wilderness, living in tents, and Moses bringing them out. And it's significant that Moses is here mentioned. So in all probability, that's what Peter was thinking about. And he's thinking about, well, this new kingdom that we've heard about, it's about to be established. We'll make three booths. We'll make three tabernacles. One for you, Lord. One for Moses. One for Elijah. And as soon as he had said that, there was a great cloud covered him. That cloud, by the way, is what we call in the Bible the Shekinah glory. Well, you see that cloud in the Bible, it always indicates the special presence of the Lord. And when that cloud covered him, there came a voice out of the cloud. And with reference to Christ, the voice said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And the simple lesson is, folks, no matter how great an individual might be, be he a Moses or an Elijah, no matter how great they were, Christ is greater, infinitely greater. He is the one far above all. He is the eminent, indeed, the pre-eminent one. Peter may have been thinking about establishing a kingdom, having these three memorials, but the purpose of the transfiguration was to exalt the king, to give Christ the place that he desires and to give Christ the place that he deserves. Reading a line or two yesterday and the boy said, what a great work would be done for the Lord if he didn't think about who's going to get the credit. And later on in this chapter, there's a question that arises among the disciples, who would be the greatest? But folks, Here's the answer. Christ must get the credit. He's number one. And we owe everything to him. Are we living for the Lord? Can people in our lives, are we giving him A lesson about experience. A lesson about existence. And a lesson about eminence, preeminence. The Lord should be far above all. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy word this morning. 
write it on our hearts. You know the need of each and every one of us. We pray that you'll give us that determination of David and the Psalms when he said, I will not forget thy word. Help us not to forget thy word we pray. We ask it.